I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty. And a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting-edge, state-of-the-art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. So, what do you do again? You're a playwright and what? Really, I'm just a playwright. Okay. And these days, I'm not even that. No? I haven't written a word in three years. I've I've been making dinner for the kids. That's important. It's been great. I would have liked to have chosen this um, <laughs> this break, you know, rather than have it choose me. But uh, yeah. it's turned out fine. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm here with uh, Michael Healy, uh, playwright. You can call me a playwright. Hi, Michael. Hi, Jesse. <laughs> this is Shortcuts. And why is it called Shortcuts? Can I just ask that? I, I, I had four different names. I put them to a, a Twitter favorite vote. Oh. Can I have my $7 back? This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Miguel Borgia, Jim Molnar, Jason Vizina, James Allenspack, Jonathan Salamati, Adam Blake, Styles Bitchley, Rob Bitcon, Chad Kohalik, and Tyler Hellard. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool, doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what 
Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Right now, there is an opioid crisis. Right now, there is a mental health crisis. But right now, it is Mental Health Week. And what that means is you can do something about these crises. You can help people. You can help CAMH save lives. They offer treatment with dignity, and they are doing cutting-edge research. I don't know if anybody listening to this is untouched by this crisis. You can see it in the downtown of every city in this country. You certainly feel it in Toronto. This is not something happening to other people. These are our friends. These are our communities, our families. We are all touched by addiction. We are all touched by the mental health crisis, and we all share responsibility to do something about it. Helping CAMH is something you can do about it. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where nobody is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help them treat addiction and build hope. Many leaders are giving Putin a stern talking to, including Stephen Harper. A local newspaper has expected a confrontation between Aussie Prime Minister Tony Abbott and Vladimir Putin. But instead, it was our Prime Minister, Stephen Harper, who came out swinging. He knows he's a bully. He knows he was going to try and create this awkward moment where you don't know what to do so you shake hands and a harper was ready for it mm. and i think he was ready with exactly the right response he didn't go full bully and take his hand away i think stephen harper had in that moment the right instinct and the right reflex i thank god it was stephen harper in brisbane this weekend and not justin trudeau <laughs> let me back up and set that one up because i think it needs to set up but uh of course this is uh harper's john wayne moment Who's more on his game right now than than Stephen Harper? Stephen Harper, it's all it's all clicking for him, and he and he walks up to Putin, and it's time to shake hands, and he says, "All right, I'll shake your hand, but I have only one thing to say to you: you need to get out of Ukraine." <laughs> it's but, awesome, yeah. And you know, let's can we we can talk about the the politics of it, but the linguistics are kind of choice too. The 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 modern construction of you need to do something as opposed to you should do or you will do something is contemporary and kind of diminishes the whole thing. Like it, like, can you imagine if it was, uh, if, if Reagan stood there and said, uh, Mr. Gorbachev, you need to tear down this wall is instead of tear down this wall, you know, like it's just, it's, just, it's a, it's a, I find it a depressing and ubiquitous construction. Is it not a, 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 some borrowed Ebonics? Is it not like, you need to be controlling your man. Is that not the origin of you need to be? Is it? Well, it is from now on. I'll tell you that for free. You, you've studied this guy. I mean, you wrote a play about him. Yes. Here is my interest in this. Uh, so this is some macho posturing. Um, and everyone knows it's macho posturing. And yet he kind of got full points for macho posturing. And I'll, I'll explain this. Um, both the uh, front page of The Globe and The Post were really like i think the uh the globe had harper kind of chatting with obama afterwards which is always great right. for canadians here sure. see obama's talking to him and the post had this big picture of harper with a koala and and some kind of headline about like they're they're both cute <laughs> but watch out because they they bite and so he he got the full effect of what he was after 
um, this this big press day for a tough macho PM. And then, like, right within the Globe, there is a editorial by Campbell Clark. And I, I'm going to get into it for, for a second here. Um, and the Globe's front page headline was Harper, comma, leaders target Putin as Ukraine takes center stage. Ukraine takes the center stage. Harper leading the charge of the center stage event. Harper and then the other leaders, and they're targeting Putin. Okay? So then inside the headline of the Campbell Clark editorial, Harper's jab was political genius. Genius. <laughs> okay? And, and what follows was actually not a favorable piece to Harper. Really? It was actually a very skillful deconstruction of what actually went into that statement. So, uh-huh. so Campbell writes like that this was a moment of theater, that this was all blowing off steam with rhetoric, that this was a cause that Harper had 100% support for, both from the leaders present and from Canadians. And in fact, there were 1.2 million Ukrainian Canadians, the vast majority of whom do not like Putin. And this was a problem for Harper because he's got to shake Putin's hand at some point. So how are you going to go back and look those voters in the eye? So this is a very skillful solution to that problem. Uh, And in fact, it had this wonderful political effect for Harper of changing the topic from climate change. 100%, for sure. I mean, this is why I say he's he's so on his game at the moment. Like this is, uh, first of all, it's a G20. Mm -hmm. So it is absolutely about theater. You know, all anybody knows about what happened at the G20 was everybody hugged a koala and Harper said something to Putin while shaking his hand. That is the sum total of what any, like I defy you yeah. to take this thing and go down on the street and find somebody who knows what of substance occurred at that, at that, at that G20. It, Harper has, has been on a plane for six days. He's been to China. He's been back. He's, you know, it's been through, he's been through Remembrance Day. He's got back on a plane. He has been, I don't know, it's like, it's 40 hours or whatever to get to, to get to Australia round trip. And he, during this period, comes up with a strategy to deal with this one moment that costs him nothing, that moves the, the, the if there's any chance that there's going to be any conversation about the, the China-America deal on climate change, that he's going to take that completely off of the table. Sure. He's going to do something that's a, to uh, that's politically uh, delicious for his uh, the, his base of supporters that are Ukrainian Canadian. Uh, I mean, it's it's it is it is a bulletproof moment for the guy, and this is a guy who in two thousand and six would show up to these events and seem uh, unprepared and awkward. And this is how far he's come. Yeah. It was like full points to Harper, tough guy. And then like the Post had this picture of him. They shot Harper and Putin at an angle where Harper is like towering over this tiny bald (laughs) Putin. And like it's like the message that they had like like buried within the editorial package was a very thoughtful deconstruction of just how he's playing us all for fools and suckers. And yet the editorial package itself was Harper the Great. And like it's like the message is – Mr. Prime Minister, your theatrics are without any substance. You are avoiding serious issues and you are brazenly trying to manipulate the media. And it worked. Good job. And the final words of that editorial were, well played, Prime Minister. Well, I mean, that I, I feel exactly the same way. You know, <laughs> he, has been, he has been taught by the last, by, by 
you know, by his time in power, by these last eight years, exactly what's expected of him. Yeah. Uh, on a, you know, particularly in these events, which again are largely theatrical. You know, I can understand why political reporters who spend their lives, you know, following him would want to kind of write pieces that are just like almost admiring of how well he does it. I can understand why, why somebody like yourself or anybody like looking at this analytically, but to the Globe and Mail, the, the paper of record in Canada and the National Post, if, if you're supposedly serving the public, is your role to, to merely be kind of like admiring a politician's skill as manipulator or is your role to be kind of like cutting through that? So it's the Globe's job to say he smacked down Putin. But what you should really be concerned about, Globe reader, is this U.S.-China environmental deal that, uh, that that's getting no play anywhere else. That is their role. And the weird thing is they actually did that, but only online. Okay, so the headline to that editorial online was how Harper's Putin jab helped him avoid talking about climate change. Uh -huh. That's a great headline, right? That is an accurate reflection of what happened there. But the print version of the Globe and Mail, again, Harper's jab was political genius. So to print readers of the Globe, he's a genius. And to digital readers of the Globe, he's avoiding talking about climate change. This happened last time he shook Putin's hand. He yeah. walked off of whatever dais he was on after shaking that guy's hand. And he said, you fucking figure out how I don't have to put myself in that position again. Because there are Ukrainian Canadians, you know, across the country who aren't going to like that photo. Figure it out. That's right. If that's your problem, I mean, our problem, you know, in the media is like, what are we going to put in the paper today? And and we, we often think about that, like, just as, as things happen. Right. He, he can think about these things a little bit in advance. Is he such a genius? And like, it's so bizarre. They even, like, nobody actually has a recording of this comment. It was relayed to the press by the PM's communication director, Jason McDonald. Right. Like, who, so let's hope, is getting some sort of pay bump for... Doing his job better than anybody else. I mean, it's schoolyard stuff. Guess what the PM just said to, to Putin? And then everybody just goes and reports it verbatim. And, and, and like just we, we are reflexively doing what, what is asked of us. And They allowed themselves to be spun is your point, Jesse. That is my point. I do have to take a second to offer a correction for something that was on last week's Shortcuts. And I apologize. I am so sorry again. I'm so sorry. This is so, this is corrections. They're, they're like, I'm correcting a correction to a correction. Um, so Ezra Levant, uh, <laughs> once again, the story was that uh, Ezra Levant got this memo from a school board and it said that he would offer, uh, that the school board would offer exemptions if a student's family would, would not want their student to go to a Remembrance Day uh, ceremony, then the school board should offer them some other activity. And Ezra Levant blew his lid and said, this is obviously Muslims uh, unpatriotically wanting to, you know, opt out of Remembrance Day. And isn't this a horrible shame? And, and, and lots of racism and spew came out of that. And uh, the joke's on him because, in fact, the memo was about parents not wanting their kids to go to places where there were Canadians in uniform because people with guns tend to show up there. There was a risk. Right. So last week on Shortcuts, you heard me say, well, as much as I hate to defend Ezra Levant, the fact that the matter is Sun News did contact the school board and did get a statement from the spokesperson and checked with the spokesperson and said, what was this about? Why were you offering exemptions to students? And the school board said, it's because of religious accommodation. Okay. That is true. I am not correcting that. That is true. But then, <laughs> then there was this question of the memo itself and it referring only to Muslims or referring to other groups as well. 
And there were two versions of the memo, one that only referred to Muslims and one that referred to other groups. And the second version with the other groups was the one that got widely circulated to media after Ezra's thing. And I said on this show, Michael, that the school board doctored the memo after the fact. And I got that wrong. They did not, they did no such thing. The school board did not doctor anything. I don't exactly know the genesis of how Ezra got a memo that only had references to Muslims. I think it's possible that the source that leaked the memo to Ezra removed those links. I don't know that for a fact, but it's a serious charge I made. And I was jumping to a conclusion myself and I thought I'd actually read it in Ezra's stuff. And I hadn't, my mind crossed, connected those dots erroneously. The Greater Essex School Board did not doctor any memo to my knowledge. Uh, They did completely spin the story later to say that this was about safety and security when, in fact, one of their spokespeople said that it was about religious accommodation, but they they doctored no memo. (laughs) Canada Land regrets the error. And the the, the lesson from this story is... There's plenty of stupid to go around. This is the season for literary awards. Every year, uh, me and my friends in the book world look at each other and we're like, is this the busiest season yet or what? It is a big, big night for the literary world in Canada. The Giller Prize is awarded tonight. The glitziest, fanciest prize in all of Canadian literature. Canada's most prestigious literary award. The most glamorous prize on the Canadian literary scene. It was on the fourth floor. It had a beautiful view of the CBC building next door and there was delicious treats as well. It probably says something about this country that one of our biggest annual black tie galas celebrates books. Now, look, you cut those together to make it sound silly. (laughs) And though, and you know what? All right. I'm grateful for the opportunity to talk about awards and, and I'll speak as a theater artist and not as a literary person. Uh, But my personal feeling about, Awards, and this is you have to take it with a grain of salt because you know I, I I won a bunch early in my career, and so I've got mine. So it's easy for me to say this, but I don't think that we should be handing out awards. They 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 take away from the the. I really should have thought this through a little better before I came on here to talk about it because the problem with awards is this. You're simultaneously making the most strong pronouncements and mitigating every word before that's it right. comes out of your that's mouth. That's right. Well, that's how I roll. Um, the problem is this. Artists don't get paid properly in this country. Yeah. You know? And it's a boring conversation. It's an argument that I lost in the 80s and the 90s, you know, about whether or not art is going to be central to the, to, the, to the society and whether or not we're going to pay for theater in particular, the way that we, you know, the way that we should. It's a boring, long lost conversation. No, it's a great conversation. And, and people your age and younger, they 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 roll their eyes at this at this argument because it's it's long since been lost. And now, you know, the the uh, public private partnerships are the way to go to make sure that you know that that fundraising is is at least as responsible for bringing in revenue uh, as box office in the theater and uh, and uh, public money and. The, the problem is, is that you don't make any money as a, as a playwright in this country and, and holding out the hope of someday winning $25,000 from the Governor General's Awards or $100,000 or $75,000 if it's the Seminovich Awards is, it creates a kind of false hope mm-hmm. for, a, for, a, for a playwright. You should be forced to give every dime of it to other people. 
is my feeling. <laughs> so take this $75,000 check and the Submitovich prize, you're given $100,000 and you immediately have to give 25,000 of it to uh, to somebody else. But I think you have to, you should be forced to give it all away. You should be as broke when you leave that place as you were when you showed up so that you continue to fight for proper arts funding in this country. That's my, that's my whole argument about, uh, about awards. Okay. Well, that's ridiculous as you know, but that, but there's still a wonderful point in there. I mean, that's very silly, <laughs> but I, I, what I take from it is that. Sure, sure it's silly, but okay. I mean, there is no board of, of arts justice that decides how we allocate the money. And, and if people want to give big cash prizes to novelists, then that's great. And it's a free country. But what I think is, is, is reasonable and is, is, is like, what makes sense about what you're saying to me and how I'm going to choose to interpret that is that dressing up in a black tie gala after black governor generals and the Gillers and, and, and having it, you know, and, and patting ourselves on the back that isn't this wonderful that we televise the book awards in Canada. And we're a nation that holds the written word in such high esteem that we treat it like the Oscars and congratulating ourselves for that and having Canada reads and this, that, and the other thing. While meanwhile, a best-selling book, 5,000 copies, I think makes you a best seller like in Canada. That. Sure, yeah. Like I think you're still below the poverty line in the royalties for that, presumably. And this obscures the fact that it is just not a viable job to be a novelist in Canada, unless you happen to be in the one percent of novelists who, you know, are selling movie rights or doing things on a global scale. And and and, and it, there is a dissonance between celebrating the written word in such a glitzy and glamorous way while like this other conversation, like you say, is not being had anymore about like, well, if we want this stuff, then maybe that's the problem we should be solving, not how to give away a hundred thousand dollars. Right. It just frosts me that you can hold that out as a kind of hope. I would rather have a conversation about properly funded arts in this country. And again, that's the most boring conversation in the, you just yawned. Like you literally just yawned. Jesse Brown just yawned, as I <laughs> pronounced. The topic of how artists get paid is one that I think can be fascinating and that there are really innovative new uh, answers to, you know. Uh, really? Yeah. I, uh, I, I'd be happy to tell you about it. It's a platform <laughs> that I recently became acquainted with. I, no, that that's there is that is not a topic that is lost on people my like age, which is no you know way to describe a young demographic <laughs> anymore. Um, no, like that's that is what a generation of creative people are trying to solve for is how to get paid for creative work. Um, well, I'll tell you what the solve the solve that we were focused on mm -hmm. in the eighties. God, I sound like grandpa. Like every time I open my mouth now, <laughs> I sound ridiculously old. But we were focused on. Getting, taking your tax dollars and paying me a living motherfucking wage. Yeah. That's not the conversation anymore. The no. conversation is let's, let's, let's take some tax dollars and pay him something a bit, sometime. Let's, you know, let's get corporations to kick in. That's now. because people of your generation like completely monopolized all of the various tax-based funding bodies and all sit on the juries and give your friends these awards. And to young people coming up, it was an impenetrable fortress where like, how do you even start to get a penny when you look at these mechanisms of funding? I'm, I'm all for arts funding, but like anybody who's encountering the system for the first time would take one look at it and say like, for the amount of forms I'm going to have to fill out, I don't, I'm not friends with this jury. You know, this whole gatekeeper, this whole gerontocracy thing, uh, you know what, your generation, would you rather be alive now or in 1985? Just answer that question. The answer is now. So shut up about 
about how things were different in 1985 and how we won't get out of the way and give you this arts money. What happened was uh-huh. it was decided on a on a structural level that that the, that arts funding in this country was going to withdraw. And it's as simple as that. Yeah. That that's that that the Canada Council and Heritage Canada uh, are going to, on a kind of per capita basis, the pie is just going to shrink, and it's going to shrink in a in a in an incremental way, and it's it's a structural thing, and it was decided years ago, and I showed up just as the party was stopping, and now you and people younger than you are complaining about the fact that there was a party, and looking at me, and I'm like, I don't. I don't recall a party. I recall hearing about one. <laughs> I think that's because the exposure that young people get to the the people who got in who, who got to climb up the ladder before it was kicked away is you go to school and you've got some teacher who's got like a couple of books under their belt and they got a sweet teaching gig and then they've also won a few awards and got some cash from that and they sit on a jury which they get paid for as well and there's a racket there's a way of being an established arts person in Canada that became like between these uh, you know artists retreats and okay, different on, fellowships that that you know, hard, you, that hard done by 25 year olds yeah that person who's sitting in that ivory tower with that sweet job on the jury and the he got a governor general's award 15 years ago and he's this and he's that how old was he when he started was he 25 or she was that person 25 isn't the wretched indignation of that 25 year old the current 25 year old exactly the same as the wretched indignation of the 25 year old that I was when I got out of school in 1985 and nobody would give me a job I worked uh, I'm not wow just Grandpa Moses, you hi, you. I come in and I'm just like in the eighties. Get off my lawn! Really, get off my lawn! That was Canada Land Shortcuts. I hope you enjoyed it. My co-host again was Michael Healy. You can always email me at jesse at jessebrown.ca. I read everything. I respond when I can. I'm on Twitter at jessebrown. The website is canadalandshow.com. The crowdfunding site is patreon.com slash canadaland. Shortcuts is produced by Andrew Norton. Hey, Andrew, what's up? And we'll have the next episode of Canada Land up on Monday. If you like this show, support it. Like the top's on. The top's on. The pants are off. That's the, that's the genius. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.